0: If I was to entitle the message tonight, I would entitle it simply, God's School, God's School. When Pastor Ken originally asked me to, invited me to preach tonight and to bring God's word to you, I was actually working on another message, a message that is a bit prophetic, it has to do with Ulster, It was actually, I've preached no less than three separate messages on Islam. And the message that I was thinking about and meditating about was one that I I wrote an article about a few years ago. If I can say this respectfully, because I love him dearly. When Pastor McConnell found himself in the situation that he found himself in, I wrote an article called Sand in the Red Hand. Islam and Ulster and the dangers that it presents. And I was working on a message to bring as regards to that. And whenever Pastor Ken originally asked me, invited me to preach tonight, I asked him what I generally would ask. I said, is there anything specific you want me to speak on? And he says, no, Graham. He says, take your liberty, whatever God lays on your heart, you speak and you say that. And I came away and I thought, praise God, I'll speak on this message on Islam. But, you know, I felt God restraining me. And I felt God, and I'm saying this, giving him all the glory. The Lord in that still small voice saying, speak on something more edificational than educational. And over the last number of weeks, if I can say by by way of introduction, Different people have been sharing different experiences with me, with Bible colleges. And I say this with respect, but they weren't very flattering experiences. So over this last couple of days, from Sunday night actually, I started to think on the message that I would preach tonight. And the message that I have, as I say, is simply called God's School but it's got nothing to do with Bible colleges. Yeah. Would you turn with me, please, for a reading? A reading of one verse of Scripture. It's in Psalm chapter 25. A verse of Scripture to, as a basis, if you like. A foundation for the message. A, mes- a verse that I believe that sets the tone of the message Psalm 25 and it's verse 12 and I'll read it to you it says what man is he that feareth the Lord him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose now I know the Lord will bless that short reading of his word but would you bow with me please just for one moment in prayer. Our Father, we thank you and praise you tonight. We praise you, O God, for thy blessing. We thank you for thy word. We thank you for the privilege, O God, in gathering in such a fashion as this. We're mindful, Father, tonight of my own inadequacy and inability, Lord. We thank you for this blessed opportunity. I pray that above all, Father, that thy lovely, sinless Son, the Lord Jesus, would be glorified and exalted in our midst. Pray, Father, that you would close us in with yourself tonight, your lovely self. Father, that a hush would descend from heaven as we look at this great subject of your school. Father, I pray that you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. And Lord, that you would be glorified and exalted through it. This we ask, giving you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In God's school, here in this verse, brothers and sisters, David both asks and answers the question, the question that he asks is what man is he that feareth the Lord? And in the question we see a type. We see a type of every believer, of every child of God, of everyone that is born again of his spirit and washed in his precious blood. We see a type of every believer. But then he asks the question, he says, what is he? And then he answers the question. For he simply says this, him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Let me paraphrase that for you, if I may. Here David is saying this quite simply he is saying every child of God is a student in God's school. You see, this is a school, brothers and sisters, that is unique to God because it is his school. And because it's unique to God, it's not like any other school. And notice how David describes this. For he tells us who the teacher is. For the teacher is no other than God himself. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. He also tells us who sets the curriculum in this school. For it's a very unique curriculum. He says he shall choose the way that he shall teach. You see, it's God himself, brothers and sisters, that is the teacher. And it is God himself that sets the curriculum in his school. And his school is unique. It is unique, brothers and sisters, because of the lessons and the disciplines that are taught in it. You see, the lessons and disciplines you and I would find as believers peculiar. The world would find them strange, but then the world is an enmity against God and know nothing of Him. They are peculiar to the believer because they are unique to God and we're in his school. In his school, brothers and sisters, you know, it is different than every other school. For in his school, we learn through the heart and not through the head. In his school, we are all enrolled in it for a purpose and you see God teaches us with purpose and that purpose that we are enrolled in his school is twofold it is twofold the first one and the primary purpose is this is that we would be conformed to the image of his dear son. If you want to know the will of God in your life, brother, if you want to know the will of God in your life, sister, then it's very simple. It's that you would be conformed to the image of his dear son, our blessed Saviour, the Lord Jesus. So the primary purpose of us being enrolled in God's school is the conformity of our lives into the image of the Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul refers to this in that wonderful chapter and you know, for the last year I have been ill. And this is one of the chapters that I've hugged. It's Romans chapter 8. It's a beautiful chapter. And in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, Paul refers to this purpose of why we are enrolled in his school. And he says this, He says, and I quote, He says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. I think it's marvelous. It's marvelous. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. You know, there's a lot of believers and they don't like that word. I love it. I love it. To be conformed to the image of his son. You know, there is a secondary purpose that why we are enrolled in God's school. And the secondary purpose is really derived from the first purpose. And the secondary purpose, brothers and sisters, is a simple one. And it's this one. It's that we would understand the dealings and disciplines of God in our lives. You know, there are many believers, you know, and they don't understand it. And I say this not with any bravado, but I say it with sadness but they don't really understand the dealings and disciplines of God in their lives. They have this romantic notion that we all seem to drift through life in a basket of flowers. I hate the rain on your parade here, folks, but that's not the way that it is. It's not the way that it is. We are enrolled in his school. And we're enrolled in his school for a twofold purpose. The teacher in his school is the Holy Spirit. So when we're taught in his school, brothers and sisters, we are, caught, we are taught with a divine purpose. And can I say this, giving him all the glory There is nothing that is taught in his school that is wasted. There's nothing ever wasted. I want to refer you to something. It's a narrative I'm sure that you're aware. Jesus had fed the multitudes. The narrative is recorded in John chapter 6. And in verse 12 of John 6, Jesus said this. He instructed the disciples to go and gather the fragments that nothing be lost. That nothing be lost. And can I say this to you, brothers and sisters, tonight? We're in his school and all of the lessons that he's teaching us, there's none of it going to be lost. There's none of it going to be lost. God teaches. He teaches in a very unique and in a wonderful way. Because it's him who is the teacher. How wonderful is God in all his dealings which are both great and gracious. He places us as soon as our spiritual eye is open. He places us in his school. First in the infant class And then onward and upward from class to class. And can I say this to you, brother, tonight? And can I say this to you, sister? And it includes all of us, whether we're in leadership or we're just in through the door. We're always learning. We're always learning. There's always another lesson. And in his school, we go onward and we go upward. And we go from class to class. Learning lessons as we go. No opportunity of spiritual instruction will be lost. Many a hard lesson is learned. And should I say it? relearned And relearned. Some of us are fickle. Some of us are stubborn. Some of us need to be taught and retaught, you know. But oh praise His lovely name. Oh, the unwearied patience of our tend- and the tenderness of our teacher. He is the altogether lovely yes, one, you know. He is the altogether lovely one. And by his grace tonight, as this message progresses, I trust that we will all see just what it is involved with as we attend his school. Because as I said to you, brothers and sisters, we each and every one of us are enrolled in it. Without exception, every one of us are in his school being taught his lessons. We learn the dealings of God in our lives. The Apostle Paul said, he said, being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in us will complete it, on the day of Jesus Christ. Paul again writing, he said that incidentally in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul again writing to the church at Ephesus. In chapter 2 and verse 10 says these words. He refers to this work. And he says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. And can I say this reverently, in fear and trembling indeed? But the workshop that God uses is his school. It's his school. And in his school, we are taught many peculiar lessons. Each and every one of us are enrolled in that school. But you know, there are many lessons and there are many disciplines. For the sake of time tonight, I will mention just a few. But let me say this to you tonight. Salvation is personal. It's personal. So our education is personal. There are lessons that we all have to learn. And then there are lessons that are unique. There are disciplines that each and every one of us have to go through. And then there are others. And they are set aside for specific people. Because God tailors the curriculum in a very personal way. Can I say this to you, brother, tonight? Can I say this to you, sister? God loves you in a more intimate way than you can ever begin to imagine. Personally. God knows your fears. He knows your anxieties. He knows what's troubling you. He knows what you're capable of handling. He knows just when to take the burden off. He knows. You might think you're alone in the midst of it all, but I can assure you, you're not. For he's there with you. you. For our teacher, our divine teacher, gets alongside us and teaches us in a very tailored and personal way. Each and every one of us, friend, have a curriculum designed for us. A curriculum that is designed concerning our personal strength and character. And can I say this to you? Our willingness to learn. Our willingness to learn. You know, if you want to go deeper In God, friend, you have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing. One day the disciples came to Jesus. And they referred to Jesus. They were talking about who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus said this to them. He says, can you be baptized with a baptism that I'm baptized with? If we want to go deeper in God, friend, there has to be a willingness for us to learn. That willingness for us to learn comes from a submission. A submission unto him in obedience to his word. And can I say this without embarrassing any of them? Obedience unto his word is this submission unto the leadership that he has appointed. Now that's the way it is, folks. There is no room in God's school for paddling your own canoe. I'm afraid there's not. We're in God's school. And in God's school, friend, we are taught many different things. Some must study to be quiet while others are taught to speak. We are all taught to stir up the gifts that are in us while some are exhorted to seek others that they may glorify and serve the Lord in a greater way. Each and every pupil is given instruction and that instruction is personally tailored for them. Through the lessons that God teaches us, we learn to continue and continue to learn. One of the things that we learn continually is we learn greater every day how evil sin is. And let me tell you something, friends, sin is evil. And every day we're taught more and more how evil it is. We're taught not only the evilness of sin, but we're taught the emptiness of the creature. And can I say this to you tonight, friend? Without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. John the Baptist cried, He said, I must decrease and he must increase. There needs to be an emptying of oneself for there to be a filling of Christ. And in God's school, we're taught that. And can I say this to you? It's a process. It's not something, and I'm saying this respectfully, of Bible colleges. But it's not something you can go to a Bible college and get a certificate for. It's not. It's a process. And whether you're on the road five minutes, five years or 50 years or whatever, it's a perpetual process of emptying yourself. That there's more and more of Christ can be seen in you. But not only do we see a greater need for the emptying of the creature, but we are taught in God's school an ever greater need of the Christ of God. And can I say this to you, friend? We love him. We adore him. We praise him. We exalt him. But can I say this to you? Not one of us could live a moment without him. We need him. And in his school, we see a greater need every day and every moment of our need of him. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. So what of these lessons and what of these disciplines that we are taught. As I say, for the sake of time tonight, I'll only mention but a few. But before I get into the few of them, can I read just a couple of verses of a poem? A poem that I believe sets the tone for them. It's a beautiful poem. It just sort of crystallizes this message, if you like. It was wrote many years ago and this is how it goes. In the way that he shall choose he will teach us. Not a lesson shall we lose all shall reach us. Strange and difficult indeed we may find it but the blessing that we need is behind it. So what of these disciplines, friend? What are they? The first discipline that I want to draw to your attention tonight is a strange and peculiar one. It's called the discipline of detour. The discipline of detour. Would you turn with me, please, to Exodus chapter 13? Exodus chapter 13, and I'm going to read a couple of verses to you. And while you're finding it there, I'll give you the context. The children of Israel had been led out of Egypt. They had been delivered from the house of bondage. They had been set free from the the brick kilns of Goshen. No longer were they required to make bricks without straw. God had moved and fulfilled his promise and had set them free. Now in this discipline of detour. We see a beautiful picture. We see a portrait of the child of God and their pilgrimage through this world. Pastor Ken on Sunday night referred to the old Tinkercom Puritan John Bunyan and his work Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress is one of the greatest Christian books that there is. Over the years, I've read it most half a dozen times. I love it. If you haven't read Pilgrim's Progress, get a hold of it and read it. Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory of the Christian life. And it is, if you like, the story of the discipline of detour. That's what it is. In Exodus 13, let's read of this detail. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18, let me read them to you. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said lest pre-adventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now the Bible student will know that geographically You have Egypt. You have the state of Israel. And between them you have Gaza. Gaza is not very big. And anciently and historically it was the land of the Philistines. Now for the children of Israel to walk from Egypt through to what is now the state of Israel. Would have took only days. But God didn't take them that way. God led them about on a detour through the wilderness. And he gives an explanation. He says, because if they see war, they will repent and flee back to Egypt. Friend, if I can give you an example of this in the Christian life, in the lesson of detour, when you were first saved, when I was first saved, if God had a pulled a curtain back and let you see what was ahead of you, how many of us would have said, I can't do this. I'm going back to Egypt. So God led them on a detour, But he didn't just say to them, off you go, get on with it. If you let your eye fall in the same chapter, down to verse 21, it tells us something very important about this detour. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. In other words, he didn't abandon them. He guided them. So the discipline of detour, friend, tells us and teaches us three important lessons. It teaches us, first of all, the importance of guidance. And in the Christian life, friend, can I say this to you? We are guided by God himself. We are guided by this book. This book. Now let me say something that might sound a bit controversial in Pentecostal circles. But I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> and I am baptized in the Holy Ghost and I thank God for it. The theological term for it is a non yeah. I believe just as Pastor Ken preached here there three or four weeks ago on a healing service that the Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is Savior, Healer, Baptizer, and Coming King. And I thank God for over 30 years now I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. But one of the things that frightens me in some Pentecostal circles is people will rely more on what people are saying Mm -hmm. than what God is saying. If you want to know and be guided in your life, friend, be a Bible student and study the scripture. Study the scripture. So we learn from the the, the discipline of detour, first of all, the importance of guidance. That the pillar of cloud guided them by day and the pillar of fire by night. The cloud, incidentally, to the glory of God represents shelter. Remember, they were in the wilderness. Basically, they were in the desert. And they were under the Middle Eastern heat of the sun. And he sheltered them. And here we have a beautiful picture of God sheltering the believer through their pilgrimage, day by day. Secondly, the pillar of fire was a light to them. And to the glory of God, he is our light. Amen. And as Pastor Ken was saying on Sunday night at the service, he says he has made us his light. You see, let me say and explain it to you. What is the definition of a Christian? And I've heard Many. The best definition of a Christian that I've ever heard is this one. A Christian is someone within whom Christ dwells. And if Christ is dwelling in you, then the light is dwelling in you. Because he is the light. So we're assured of the... Sorry, we're given the importance of the guidance Secondly, we're assured the goal that God was taken into the promised land. Now note the word promise because God's promises are yea and amen. And friend, we're on a journey, you know. Glory to God, sister, we're going home soon. For our Lord is coming so we're assured to goal. we're taught the importance of the guidance and thirdly in this lesson of the detour we're taught the reliance of the grace that it's the grace that carries them through they don't carry themselves through it's grace that carries them through The Apostle Paul prayed three times that a thorn in the flesh would be removed from him. And God said this to him. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. And child of God tonight, let me say this to you. His grace is sufficient for us. His strength is made perfect in weakness. We can rely on Him. We can depend on Him. His grace is sufficient for us. God's school. Moving on to another discipline. The bell goes in God's school and we move into another class. And this discipline, friend, is another discipline that might sound strange and peculiar, but it's unique to God. It's called the discipline of disappointment. There are many Christians today and they think that God's not going to let anybody be disappointed. I hit the rain on your parade here, friend, but that's not the case. You see, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways and His ways are past finding out. I love what the psalmist David says concerning the Lord's ways. He simply says this. He says, as for the Lord, his ways are perfect. And you know, in the discipline of disappointment, what is actually happening is God is bringing our ways into tune with his ways, which are perfect. But you know, the discipline of disappointment is sometimes attached to the discipline of delay. I want you to turn with me if you would for a few verses. 1 Chronicles chapter 17. they show you a picture of this discipline of disappointment? 1 Chronicles chapter 17. The story is of course of David. And David has a desire. A desire that on the surface of it looks spiritual, looks honorable, looks right. And the desire, and I'll read it to you here, I'll read the first four four verses of this chapter. Chapter 17 of 1 Chronicles. Now it came to pass, as David said in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Though I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. And it came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go tell David, my servant, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me an house to dwell in. Now, brothers and sisters, let me say this to you. Here was a situation. A situation where David, who is the only character in Scripture that is described as the man after God's own heart, he has a desire to build God a house a temple where the people could worship God in. He has a desire that you and I could look at and see and think that that's honorable and noble. And it has to be of God. But yet God says, I shall not. The discipline of disappointment. And there are many times in our lives, brothers and sisters, when we have plans and we have desires and we think they're of God and on the surface of it they look, we don't see any reason why they're not. So we take them to the Lord and we ask God that God would grant them. And the next thing we hear is, I shall not. The discipline of disappointment. You know the discipline of disappointment brothers and sisters is a hard discipline to learn. And there are many who and I say this with sadness not with any malice or bravado but there are many who have ended up shipwrecked because of it. They have done. They've come to God and they've thought that God is just going to grant their wish. And because he didn't They fell away. They fell away. And again, you're back to the purposes of us being in God's school. The purposes of us being in his school is to learn his dealings with us. And one of his dealings with us is learning that I shall not. And can I say this again respectfully, sensitively? But this affects leadership probably more than it affects anybody else. Because I'll testify a wee bit here. There have been a number of occasions whenever I have planned a project or wanted to do something for God or went and even done something and thought that God was in it. And he wasn't in it at all. And then all of a sudden, there comes along, and I shall not. A discipline of disappointment. And remember, the discipline of detour is a perpetual one. And notice, whenever the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness, there came a time when the pillar of cloud stopped. And when it stopped, they had to wait. And in the discipline of disappointment, sometimes we have to wait. Now, when waiting is not wasted, people find it hard to wait. I know I find it hard to wait. But waiting is never wasted. Because what does the scripture say?s It says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And while we are waiting, we are being renewed, we are being strengthened, we are being built up. We are being prepared for the next phase of the journey in the detour of the pilgrimage to the promised land. While we're waiting, even through the discipline of disappointment, we're being strengthened for the next level of what God has in store for us in our life or even in our ministry. We're waiting on him. As I say, sometimes the discipline of disappointment is linked to the discipline of delay. Where God is saying, I shalt not, but he's saying, I shall not for the moment. In other words, the time's just not right yet. And what God is going to do, he's going to do in a greater way than you ever imagined. But he's just not going to do it just yet. I love what the old Puritan says about this. The old Puritan writing on this, this is what he says. I thought it was beautiful. He says, We come to God and we ask for silver but God sends us there's a refusal wrapped in gold. You know, friend, I don't know where you are, what's going on in your life. Maybe you're going through this discipline of disappointment. Maybe you're seeking God about something in your life and God hasn't just worked it out the way you think that he should. Can I say this to you? If that is the case, it's because he has something better in store. It's because he has something better in store. And he's teaching you to wait. And while you're waiting, you're being strengthened. You're being built up in him. We're in his school. We're learning his lessons. And we've been taught by a teacher who is infallible praise the lovely name of the Lord his lessons are perfect the final one I want to draw to your attention tonight friend is another discipline and it's a discipline that's probably the hardest discipline of all for us to take and to learn it's called the discipline of disturbance And it's linked to the discipline of despair. And you know, there are occasions in our lives when we're going along in life. And all of a sudden, that seeming out of nowhere comes an upheaval, comes a disturbance. A disturbance that is so great and grieved, it's like nothing that has ever happened before. And I have witnessed it so often and I've experienced it even in my own life. Let me give you a few examples. I'll give you two examples. I say this very respectfully because I love him dearly. I have a friend. I've known him for years. He's one of the closest friends that I have. And he loves the Lord, as family, Christian family. And one day out of the blue, a knock came on the door to tell them that their only son was dead. <clears throat> Nineteen years of age. Killed in a car crash. He wasn't coming back from a nightclub. He was coming back from church. I remember standing there, and I remember the upheaval in their life, and I remember him saying, "Tell me," he said, Look, "I live for two things." He says, "I live for God, and I live for the family." Everything that you see around you, he says, I was doing it for him. But the knock came at the door. The policeman. I'm sorry to tell you, sir, but your son's not coming home. The discipline of disturbance. The discipline of despair. There's another occasion. In fact, it was the man who published my book some 30 years ago. 35 years in business, a Christian business, Christian publisher. I remember sitting alongside him when he went bankrupt. He pumping every receivers were coming in. 35 years of pumping everything into a business a business that he believed, and I do believe too, was honoring God. Fourteen-hour days. Couldn't make it work. The receiver come in. And can I tell you, when that happens, friend, they're ruthless. They're ruthless. The upheaval. Now, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as that. But there are occasions in our lives, brothers and sisters, when we go through the discipline of disturbance that's linked to the discipline of despair. What is the lesson that we're taught there? We're taught to cling to him. We're taught to cling to him. We're taught to hold on to Him, to get closer to You. You know, we pray and there's nothing wrong with the prayer. But we pray, Lord, bring me closer to You. Do we realize the cost of that? Do we realize that there's a cost of be brought closer to Him? Now, I believe the cost is worth it because being closer to Him is everything. Let me just clarify that. But you know, let me say this to you. You'll not be drawn closer to him swinging your Bible by the tassels. I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. Brothers and sisters, I believe that God is doing a work in all of our lives. Because he's God. And because he says he is. There is a picture of this, and I don't want to go over my time here, but there's a picture of this discipline of disturbance and despair. And it's a beautiful one in Job. In fact, it's right through the whole book of Job. I have another reading for you, but I'll not go through it because I'm watching my time here. But friend, you know the story of Job. It says in Job chapter 1 and verse 8, where it talks about how Job walked uprightly before God. That God that said to Satan, he says, there is nobody like him in the earth, he says. Have you considered my servant, Job? There's some Christians out there and have this unbiblical notion and they annoy me. I have no patience for them. But to have this idea that if all this stuff is happening to you, you must be doing something wrong. Can I say this to you, friend? If the devil's leaving you alone, you're doing something wrong. I believe, brothers and sisters, that God is doing something wonderful. And I don't say this to flatter anybody. I don't flatter. Flattery is dangerous. I say it because I believe it. But I believe God is doing something wonderful in this place. I really do believe that. I really do believe it. And I believe just as the disciplines that I've referred to are applicable to individuals, I believe, brothers and sisters, they're also applicable to the local church because we are His body. And I believe that God is at work. I believe God is moving in these days because I believe these are closing days. I am convinced that they are. And right now, Ulster needs Jesus. Amen. Ulster needs him. And Ulster needs men and women to go up and down this land and tell people about him. Because he is the only answer. He's the only answer. Friend, we're in his school tonight. We're in his school let me bring this message to a close with a poem, a poem that I think crystallizes the message, the whole ethos of it. When it was I started writing this message yesterday, and I came across this poem last night, and I thought it was beautiful. I never read it really before. Well, if I've read it before, I couldn't remember reading it before. Put it that way. But where do you hear this? And it was on the commentary of Psalm 25, verse 12, this poem was. It's simply called The Great Teacher. I love to feed Sorry, I love to feel that I am taught and as a little child to note the lessons I have learned in passing through the wild. For I am sure God teaches me and his own gracious hand each varying page before me spreads by love and wisdom planned. I often think I cannot spell the lessons I must learn and then in weariness and doubt I pray the page may turn but time goes on and soon I find I was learning all the while and words which seemed most dimly traced shine out with rainbow smile. Or sometimes, strangely, I forget And learning o'er and o'er A lesson all with teardrops wet Which I had learnt before He changed me not But waits a while Then wipes my heavy eyes Oh, what a teacher is our God So patient And so wise. His loving teaching cannot fail. And we shall know at last. Each task that seems so hard and strange. When learned time is past. Oh may we learn to love him more. By every opening page. By every lesson he shall mark. With daily ripening age. And then to know as we are known shall be our glorious prize to see our teacher who has been so patient and so wise. O joy untold, yet not alone, shall ours the gladness be, the travail. Of his soul in us, our Saviour, God shall see. May the Lord bless his folks. let's pray.